Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. So the United Nations Climate Change Conference starts at the end of this month. And according to exclusive reporting from Politico, the United Arab Emirates, which is set to host the talks, is putting together a controversial deal with some of the world's most secretive state-run oil companies. So I got my hands on some internal official documents that show the United Arab Emirates is trying to get national oil companies to commit to some climate pledges, and that would be potentially significant given how much these companies produce and how insulated from public pressure they have been. That's Politico's Zach Coleman, and he's reporting that the deal is expected to be one of the splashiest announcements at the conference. But environmentalists aren't convinced of the plan or of the country pushing for it to happen. Today, we chat with Zach about the UAE's pre-cop push for oil company climate pledges. It's Tuesday, November 14th. So the United Arab Emirates really is looking to get some major splashy commitments from oil and gas companies to decarbonize, to clean up their act on climate. And they're trying to reach out to a lot of investor-owned companies, you know, think of your oil majors, the private sector companies that we all kind of know, like Exxon and things of that nature, but also these less well-known companies, national oil companies. Now, these are state-run, state-backed companies that are insulated from competition. They don't have the same sort of shareholder pressure that a publicly traded company would have. And they're not subject to the whims of public opinion in the same way because their whole role is to sort of generate revenues for the state. And they have not necessarily had this kind of global commons, global citizen viewpoint that a lot of the other companies that we're more familiar with have had. So they've been not really brought into this climate space in the same way. And you reviewed details of the UAE's plan, which include a wide-ranging set of commitments, as you as you started to mention. Can you give us some more specific details on what the UAE is asking for and why supporters say this step is necessary? So they're looking to get companies to sign up for commitments on scope one and scope two emissions. So that's emissions within your own operations. They're also looking for a commitment to hit near zero methane emissions by 2030, a commitment to end routine flaring of natural gas by that same year, 2030, and then also aiming to take steps towards measuring and verifying methane emissions, because this is you know, something that has, has really gone untracked for quite some time. We're only just starting to develop the capabilities and technology to really closely monitor methane, which is a very potent heat-trapping gas and one of the clearest ways that you can start to make a dent in climate change right now is by eliminating methane. So those are some of the biggest high-level commitments that the UAE is going around asking companies to make. So let's get into some of the criticisms of this plan. We already know that many environmentalists have dismissed it. What are some of the holes that they see in this deal? 
Yeah, look, I mean, if, if you look at the criticisms, we should also start with some of the potential positives, which is these companies, again, the national oil companies have not been engaged on this issue in a major way. There has not been this campaigning public pressure on them. So that's you know where you could maybe see some movement that's good. But at the same time, the environmentalists say, well, this is such a weak proposition because there's not requirements in these commitments. A lot of them is asks. A lot of them is like, if you can do this measurement of your methane, you should, you know, and that's, that's not very solid or firm. And it also doesn't incorporate any scope three targets. And scope three is the emissions from the actual fuel. So when you go and drive your car around, that's the scope three emissions from the oil and gasoline that these companies are bringing out of the ground. So if you're not getting that, you're not getting more than 80% of the emissions out of the oil and gas industry. So a lot of the, the campaigners, the environmental activists are saying, what good is this? Especially when there's other frameworks like the oil and gas climate initiative and the oil and gas methane partnership that already have more rigorous reporting requirements and verification requirements and targets. So why not just use them? Why do something duplicative? And, you know, another kind of specific criticism of this plan is about the head of this year's climate talks, who also happens to be the chief of UAE's national oil company. Can you talk a bit about that context? Yes. So, Sultan Al-Jaber is the head of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company that is the state-run UAE oil company. And he is also the head of COP28, the UN climate negotiation. So there's some very basic questions about conflict of interest. Can Sultan Al-Jaber oversee impartial negotiations that are supposed to address the emissions that come from oil and gas while he simultaneously runs an oil and gas company that generate significant revenues for the UAE. So that's one of the questions here is, is he driving a hard bargain with these companies that are really kind of his peers and that if they change their business model will really result in changes for how the UAE funds its government and services. So there's some real major questions here. Obviously, the UAE is saying, well, this is why Sultan Al-Jaber is the perfect person for this conversation because he understands the business model of the national oil companies. He can go in there as a credible arbiter of conversation. And it remains to be seen what what happens with this. But any progress on climate change has to happen now. And there's a question of, is incrementalism with the national oil companies good enough? And how big can these increments be? So that's, I think, what we'll have to see in any sort of final plan here. Also, speaking of COP28, the European Union on Monday announced it would make a substantial financial pledge toward a new fund for climate damages. The announcement follows a tentative deal struck earlier this month that would support developing countries hit by climate disasters through what's known as a loss and damage fund. Countries are aiming to finalize details at the COP28 summit, and the EU's announcement raises the pressure on other developed countries to follow suit. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. 
Today's program support is provided by Chevron. Progress means producing renewable fuels for today's fleets. Chevron intends to grow their renewable fuels production capacity to 100,000 barrels per day by 2030. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash renewable fuels.